Welcome to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. My name is Jenna, and in this series, I'll be speaking to plastic surgery residents and giving you an inside look at what it's like to train at their institution. We'll discuss the logistics, the leadership, and the lifestyle of a plastics resident at their program. Today, I'm speaking with Dr. Hari Priya Ayala, who's a chief resident at Rutgers University in Newark, New Jersey. Hari is originally from Stony Brook, New York. She completed college and medical school at George Washington University, and her interests include reconstructive microsurgery and surgical education. Hari, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. So I'd love to get started by hearing kind of a big picture discussion of your program at Rutgers. Yeah, so we are a six-year integrated program. We have currently 16 residents, and we're expanding to 17 next year with the hope to expand to a full complement of 18 residents. I mean, we just, we have a great time. We have a very diverse group of people and attendings, and I can't wait to tell you a little bit more about us. So can you tell me a bit about the plastics experience in the first three years? So out of the first two years, 12 full months are plastic surgery. Five months are general surgery, and the rest are ancillary services like ortho-hand, ortho-trauma, ENT, OMFS, oculoplastics, a little bit of ER, a little bit of anesthesia, dermatology. And then starting from the beginning of PGY3 and on is only plastic. So really in our whole residency, we do five full years of plastic surgery. And what's the experience like when you're on some of the non-plastics or ancillary services? It's great. We have a really good relationship with all the other services. So we usually trade residents. So we rotate with them and they rotate with us. So we have a very deep mutual respect for each other. So we're kind of like guests on each other's rotations and we're really just there to learn. What are some of the different places you rotate through? So we have six different hospitals. They're all in northern New Jersey, two level one trauma hospitals. So there's University Hospital in Newark and then there's Robert Wood Johnson in New Brunswick. And that's where we do most of our hand and our facial trauma and a lot of complex reconstruction. We do a VA hospital where we do mostly elective hand surgery, and then we have three private practice sites, so St. Peter's, St. Barnabas, and Hackensack, and that's where we do almost exclusively cosmetic surgery and breast surgery, and then all facial surgery. And are there any fellows at any of the sites? No. So our orthopedic guys do have a hand fellow in Newark, but they only operate with the ortho hand surgeons, so on our ortho hand rotation, we will experience the fellow, but we don't have fellows at any other site and we kind of like it that way because we don't have any competition for cases. Can you tell me a bit about the research experience? So the official rule, I guess, is that there's one presentation or publication per year, but our residents are way more productive than that. I'm pretty sure our division published over 20 papers just this year. What's the process like for getting involved with research? So we have a research meeting every month, usually around our M&M meeting. It's pretty resident run. We have a lot of ideas and usually we're pitching it to the attendings. So our attendings, residents, and medical students all attend. Now it's on Zoom, our research meeting. And then we throw around any new ideas and then we all go through each of our projects and make sure that we're each pushing each other and making sure our deadlines are being met. What kind of support is available while you're working on your research? So we have a dedicated medical student, research student, and then we do have a department statistician that is available for the whole department of surgery. Honestly, though, our medical students and residents, we run our own stats because it's just faster. Then how about once you are ready to, you know, present or publish, how does the department support you? 
if we are the presenting author, then the conference is totally paid for. So our registration, travel meals, everything is paid for by GME. And is there any kind of limitation on that? Yeah, so we used to go to a ton of international conferences, and now they finally restricted us to just the continental U.S. But relatively unlimited within the U.S.? Yeah. I mean, I think I went to every single meeting as a PGY 4 and 5, and they paid for it. <laughs> and I did present at those meetings. Can you tell me a bit about what call is like? So it depends on the site. Like I said, we have six places. At the trauma centers, we split hand call with orthopedics at both level and trauma centers. And we're on for face every day at Robert Wood. And every three days, it's split with OMFS and ENT in Newark. The ER is actually really good at both places. So it's not like we're spending all night sewing up simple lacerations. And we don't take any ER call at any of the other four sites. So we only round on the patients that we operate on. Pretty cush. What's kind of the spread of, you know, how much time you spend at the sites throughout the course of your training? It has changed a lot. So it used to be that we spent a lot of our time in Newark on, at the trauma rotations in the junior years. And then we went on to our cosmetic, craniofacial, and breast surgery in the later years. But since we've changed the number of residents each year, and our program director is very invested in improving the experience, he actually changes the rotation schedule almost every year to make sure that we have all of our rotations. And then as a chief, we actually kind of just get to pick where we go because if we are deficient in any case numbers or if we just want to see something different, then we're just kind of welcome to go wherever we want. What's the mid-level support like at the different sites? We have a PA at each trauma center on the service and then each private practice has their own PA. You mentioned kind of in the senior years, you have, you know, some freedom of choice. So are there like dedicated elective months as a part of that? Or it's more like just you kind of are able to see what cases are happening and you go to them when they're happening? Yes, yeah, so there's no built-in elective time in terms of going away. One of the unique parts of our program is that on the lighter rotations, the non-trauma rotations, you choose whatever case you want to do. So on the Friday for you look at the entire next week's schedule, usually there's one or two residents at those sites, and you just split up the cases. Not every case has to be covered. So the private guys are totally fine operating by themselves. It's all about our education. So for example, like I'm interested in microsurgery. The other resident last year was interested in craniofacial. So I did all the free flaps, and she did all the craniofacial stuff, and there's no call. So you just round on the patient that you're operating on. So it's really about education. In terms of actual electives, because the call schedule is not that bad at the lighter rotations, we can go away if we want to. So we've sent residents to CHOP for craniofacial surgery for a month, MD Anderson, Funky Clinic, Manhattan Iron Ear, just based on if people want to see a different experience at a different institution, we have the capability to send them. And how about any international opportunities, either short trips or like a longer full month rotation? Yeah, so it's a yearly trip with the OMFS guys to Bangladesh for clefts. And then now we're organizing a Guatemala trip every other year. And I think it's going to be Vietnam the years that we're not going to Guatemala, but everything's kind of on hold because of the pandemic, unfortunately. And you mentioned a little bit about some of the cosmetic experience in the later years, but can you go into a bit more of what that looks like? Yeah, so we used to be deficient in this cosmetic experience. And now, like I said, our program director is all about changing the experience. So now we have a huge cosmetic experience. So we do a lot of body contouring, a lot of breast cosmetics. And 
more recently, we started working with two facial aesthetic guys who are really good. And so if you have a specific interest in aesthetics, then you do all the aesthetic cases at those sites. And if you have a specific interest in something else, you do all those other cases. So there's a guy who really wanted to do blepharoplasties and he scrubbed like 150 blepharoplasties in two months. Do you have like a month where you're just specifically with one aesthetic person or it's kind of like when you're at those private sites, there's always a mix of both and you kind of get your pick of what's going on? No, there's always a mix of both. So it's basically whoever is operating that day, you just choose. So one of our residents now, she is interested in specifically in facial plastics. So whenever that facial plastic surgeon is operating, she just goes to all of his cases and she, she'll go to his clinics also. So it, it really is choose your own adventure. And is there like a chief cosmetic clinic? So I run it right now because I'm one of the chiefs. We split it amongst the three residents and we are completely autonomous. So we have our own clinic time and the staff will do everything for us. Like we're the attending. Um, If we book a case, then we'll discuss the case, obviously, with the attending that we choose. And then at the time of surgery, they'll just time out and obviously be available if we need them. But they push us to be more independent. So we need to struggle and figure out know what we're doing. How has that experience been for you so far? Awesome. Really awesome. Yeah. I think when it's December and we've done probably, even with the pandemic, we've done at least 20 cases by ourselves. And then we have an injectables clinic that's separate from the operative clinic. And that happens every other Thursday. So it's just like unlimited Botox and fillers and Kybella and Juvo. And it's great. It's a good experience. Do the younger residents play a role in the chief cosmetic clinic at all? Yeah, so we, as like I said, we act as the attending, so it's ultimately our decision on how we plan everything, but in terms of if they want to scrub with us or if we want to teach them how to do the injectables, they're always welcome to come. What's the experience like with gender affirmation surgery? So we have a dedicated, busy surgeon that does exclusively transgender surgery at St. Barnabas. He does both top and bottom, male to female and female to male. And then he also does both radial forearm and ALT phalloplasties, as well as robotic vaginoplasties. And we also have surgeons in Newark and New Brunswick who do top surgery. So we have a really good experience. And are there any particularly awesome perks about your program? We have meal cards at every hospital. So we get pretty much free food everywhere. Parking is free everywhere, except for Newark, where it's like $10 a month. We do get loops funded. We get them at the end of intern year. We get about $600 of book money. Like I said, if we're presenting, all of our conferences are paid for. And we get an annual gift. So recently we got embroidered marmot jackets, got custom scrub hats. We got really nice white coats. Trying to figure out what our gift is going to be this year. Actually, the other day we walked into the lounge and one of the attendings had dropped off this like big couch bed and hung up this like Banksy painting. I was like, okay, cool. (laughs) That's awesome. So pretty nice lounge space as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We have really good lounge space in all of our sites. And then we have a chief resident office in Newark and in New Brunswick. What area of plastic surgery would you say that residents come out with the strongest experience in? Honestly, at this point, it's very well-rounded and solid. I would say everyone's really comfortable with complex recon, lower extremity trauma, We have a very busy orthopedic oncologic service. What else? Transgender surgery, definitely. How would you improve your program? 
I would say it would be nice to have a, like a dedicated craniofacial rotation, like a month or two just on a craniofacial service because it's a little scattered across the sites. But I also think that if we did have a crazy craniofacial service, we'd probably have a fellow. So give and take. As a chief, I feel like you have a unique perspective on how the program has changed over the years. So can you comment a bit about how you've seen it evolve during your time? Yeah, it's only gotten better. I mean, like I said, the resident complement is now growing because we're just adding so many new sites and faculty. So when I started, I think we didn't even really go to St. Barnabas and we didn't go to St. Peter's. We've added two completely new rotations, which has opened up a lot of cosmetic surgery and craniofacial surgery. And then we have the opportunity to work with all these different private practice attending. So when they hire, it just opens up the people that we can work with. And we just, we have a lot of autonomy. So even though a lot of our later years are with private practice guys, they tend to let us do the whole operation. I mean, there's of course the, the guys that you just watch, but we have the opportunity to learn from so many different people that once we're doing it in our own resident cosmetic clinic or if we're doing complex recon autonomously at the trauma centers, then we can incorporate a lot of different attendings techniques. You know, you mentioned that you're interested in micro. Are you doing a micro fellowship? I am, yeah. I'm going to go to Memorial Sloan Kettering next year. Congratulations. How was the program, you know, supportive first, like as you were making the decision, what fellowship to pursue? And then once you decided. Uh, We have a lot of mentorship um, because, I mean, we have academic faculty, but actually a couple of the private guys were really my biggest fans. So they just made sure that I knew what I was doing, that I was making the right decision for fellowship, that I was applying to the right fellowships. They offered to write me letters and call, and it was just fantastic. And then then since they know that I want to do micro, they just kind of leave me alone in all the micro cases now, which is fun. So I just take all the juniors through the cases. Almost like being like a practice fellow. Yeah, I, I honestly think that most of the attendings, when, when we get to chief here, we're so comfortable operating because we operate so much that they just treat us like a fellow. Now to transition a bit, I'd like to hear specifically about your program leadership. So your chief and your PD. So our chief and our PD are actually the same person. It's Edward Lee. Amazing guy, technically phenomenal, really cares about improving our experience we do have two new APDs. So one is Ashley Ignachuk. He's a hand surgeon trained in Dallas. And then the other is Jeremy Sinken, who trained at Georgetown and then actually also did his microfellowship at MSK. And then one of our other big guys is Richard Judge, who's the chief of plastics down at Robert Wood. He does microfellowship at Penn. And they're all very, very invested in resident education. Can you tell me about, you know, a time that you've seen when either you or other residents brought up an issue to the program leadership and how they responded? So when I was at PGY2, I did a general surgery rotation at a site where I was kind of just doing floor work, not really getting to the OR. And it was at a journal club, like a dinner. And Dr. Lee was like, oh, like, how's it going? I was like, oh, good. He's like, how many cases have you done? I was like, oh, like X amount. And he was like, what? <laughs> so he was like, you're not operating enough. So he at dinner emailed the chief president of the service and the attending site director and was like she needs to operate more and the next day they're like okay you're gonna only be in the OR and then the next year when he was making the rotation schedule he just removed that rotation and completely switched the site so every year the rotation schedule changes because it just gets better. 
And what kind of a role do residents play in some of the department decision making? So we get the opportunity to go through the applications of the people that we interview. And I think we do have quite a bit of say in the rank list and we can veto people because we're going to be working so closely with them. And we have an input into our rotation schedule as well. Is that kind of all the residents have a say or more like the chiefs alone? Mostly like the four through sixes, because we know more of the fit of our program and they trust us a little more. (laughs) And what are some of the qualities of a resident that you would say fits well? Someone laid back and chill, but with a killer work ethic, because we all work really, really hard, but then we definitely play really, really hard. Basically someone that we can operate with and be in the hospital with for like 20 hours and then go to happy hour and get drinks afterward. I think that already says something a bit about this, but can you tell me a bit more about the relationships amongst the residents? Yeah, we kind of love each other a lot. I mean, before COVID, we would go out every day and we'd go out to the city or Jersey City every weekend and we hang out a lot. We all vibe together really well. We all live all over the place, but we tend to meet in central areas. And it's not just the residents, the attendings too. Like the attendings will often be like, let's go out to dinner or let's get drinks or, you know, let's discuss this article, but actually just hang out. So it's really fun. Does your program have any experience with international medical graduates or like residents who took a non-traditional path to residency? Yeah. So even though we're integrated since we've been expanding the program, we've been backfilling a couple of spots. So we went from 12 residents my intern year to now 17 next year. And so we've taken quite a few general surgery residents who have transitioned into our plastics program as well. And they're not adopted. They're our family too. And now I'd like to hear a little bit more about like the logistics of how residents live in and around Newark. So do most tend to own or rent? Most of us rent, I think three or four own, whether that's, uh, I think one has a house and two have condos, one in Newark and one in Jersey City. For anyone who's like not super familiar with the area, where do residents choose to live like in relation to the sites? of all over. So Newark is a little bit central and then Hackensack's about 20 minutes north and Robert Wood is about 30 minutes south. So there's a couple of us who live in Manhattan, a bunch of us who live in Jersey City, which is right across the river from Manhattan, and then a smattering who live in the burbs. Like some live near Hackensack, some live in New Brunswick, depending on what they want to pay and where they want to live. What's the spread of residents being single, married, kids? Right now, two of us have kids, and six of us are married, and almost everyone now is in a relationship. I think almost every single person has met their significant other in residency. Most of us have gotten married in residency, and I mean, throughout my time, like a ton of us have had kids, so it's very family-friendly. And is it necessary to have a car? Definitely, yeah. I mean, there was one resident, like, seven years ago. who I don't know how he got along, but he like took a bus everywhere. It's just, you just can't do it. You need a car. Where do you live? So I am one of the outliers. I live in New Brunswick. And then the, it's funny because my two co-residents, one lives in Newark and one lives in Manhattan. So we're all kind of outliers. Everyone thinks that this is the farthest site, but honestly, it's great. New Brunswick is a college town. There's a lot of different bars, a lot of places to eat. And my family's around here. So it's nice. 
I mean, everyone thinks that where they live is the best place to live. And it's funny because during interview day, everyone will make an argument for why they should live in like Jersey City or Harrison or New Brunswick. But basically Jersey is a really great place to be. I don't know why New Jersey gets a bad rap since I'm originally from New York or like trained to kind of like crap on New Jersey, but you're right next to Manhattan. It's a super easy drive to Philly or DC or Boston. You can go skiing on the weekend or you can go to the beach on the weekend or you can go to Atlantic City, like whatever you want. So it's great. So I think that is actually most of the things I wanted to talk about. Do you have any additional thoughts about your program that I haven't asked about or that we haven't covered? No, I think the highlights are that all of us are really happy. We can all graduate without doing a fellowship because we have so much autonomy and everyone feels very comfortable operating. I have loved my training here. I think that we graduate exceptional people and almost every single co-resident has really become my family. I would do it all over again. And any thoughts on the process of choosing a residency program in general? This is a cliche, but everyone says be yourself. You have to be yourself. You got to find your fit because six years is a really long time to be unhappy. So you got to find your people. And do you have any like single best piece of advice for people going through the process on how to best find that fit or a good question to ask to help you figure that out? It's hard with virtual interviews because body language is like a really big part of that. But I think I found just hanging out with the residents and asking about their lives and seeing how they interact. Because when I interviewed at Rutgers, it was very, very clear that all the residents knew each other super, super well. Like I know every resident, their significant others, where they're from, where they went to med school, what they like to eat, what they like to drink, (laughs) everything. And it's very apparent. So I think if you're looking for that like family feel, you really just have to talk to the residents and see how the residents and the attendings interact. And how can interested students find out more about your program? Definitely follow us on Instagram at Rutgers Plastic Surgery or check out our website. We also have a Twitter, but I'm definitely a picture person. So I say follow us on Instagram. Well, thank you so much for speaking with me today. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for listening to the Doctority Plastic Surgery Podcast. Never miss an episode by subscribing to our show via your favorite podcast service and following us on Instagram and Twitter. For more podcast episodes and residency information, check out our website, doctority.co. That's doctority.co. We love feedback from listeners, so please contact us through the website or through social media with your questions or suggestions. See you next time.